0: Good morning okay so just want to welcome everyone today I have a few announcements uh, for us the annual meeting is next Sunday annual members meeting so please plan to attend and the proposed budgets are on the back uh, table here in the sanctuary just under underneath the box in the back here by the center doors um, pick one up, and also remember that today, right after church, we're going to have a meeting to discuss that if you're interested in staying for that. Um, if you're a visitor with us here today, uh, there are, are visitor sheets available on the backs of the chairs. If you would take time to grab one of those and please fill that out, and then just put it in one of the three offering boxes as you leave the church today. There are two on the pillars and the one by the main main doors, we would appreciate that. Um, there will be a women's event at 2 p.m. next week. Rachel is living a week in the future, apparently. Uh, we, we will be um, crafting and baking. All ages of women are encouraged to attend. <clears throat> okay, so... Um, uh, a funeral service for Aloma's brother Kent Wilkinson will be Saturday, November 11th at 10 p.m. at the Lighthouse Bible Church, 1510 Lewis Street here in Riverton, um, with a viewing prior to the service. And then there will be a burial uh, following at Mountain View Cemetery uh, right after. So, anyone who knew Kenton, um, that's when the service will be. Uh, Brandy.
1: Good morning so thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday and so a few of us got together and we just definitely is on our hearts that no one be alone on thanksgiving so we have a little clipboard going around if you or it could be a couple of you however the situation may be but if you're just a small group and you want to be part of a big group we are a family right so let's uh open our homes Let's get together and celebrate a wonderful holiday. So on this sign-up sheet, there's a spot that if you would like to go to someone else's home, that's on the upper portion, put down your name and your phone number, or the opportunity also offers for if you would like to host people, that's on the bottom section. So if you would love to have extra people at your dinner table, uh, we'll have you sign up. And then between Carol, Regina, myself, we'll get together and just kind of divvy out, so. We hope to have everyone have a place to go on Thanksgiving, so please feel free to sign up and put your phone number down. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay, if we'd all stand for the memory verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. Father, we just uh, give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us. Uh, Lord, we just uh, um, pray that you'll be with uh, Shane as he brings the message this morning. And Father, we're just so thankful and blessed to have this baptism here today. Lord, we just thank you um, for another uh, commitment to publicly say that they are followers of you, Jesus Christ. Father, we just uh, give you thanks and praise for all you do. In Christ's name, amen.
2: All right. Well, church, go ahead
0: and grab a seat. And we've got another baptism today.
2: Hey, I'm liking that. We got you guys trained up now that, that we celebrate baptism because baptism is a big, big deal. This is when people come and they say, and, and they're telling all of us as a church family, but also as the world, look at what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And it proclaims that from the rooftops. And so we've, man, we've been blessed. We've got another baptism today, and Briley's going to come down and share a little bit of her story. So everybody, make her feel welcome. Come on. this. All right, Briley, I'm going to give you the mic. You got it okay? Okay. She's a little nervous, so.
1: With God's story, when I was little, I went to church with my grandparents, and I've always believed in God. But when you're a kid, you don't understand it all and take it in for its true meaning. That's how I was with God. I believed, but I didn't feel like a true believer. In the last year, I've been thinking more about my relationship with God, and I wanted to build and grow that relationship. I've realized that Jesus died on the cross for not just everyone's sins, but also my own. My heart is to share God's word like it says in Psalms 9, 1, and 2. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your, all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing to your name, O Most High.
2: Wow. Amen. 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 Well, just for those of you out here, when we talk about baptism, uh, just as a reminder that it's a symbol. Baptism itself doesn't save us but it's a symbol that says, hey, I have been saved by the work of God through faith in Jesus Christ, right? And so uh, I often compare it to a wedding ring, okay? When I'm married, and I'm married to an amazing woman down there, hold my kiddo. And um, when I take this ring off, does it say that I'm not married anymore? No, it doesn't. But this tells the whole world, hey, look, I'm married to that incredible woman on the first row. It, It tells them. So it's a symbol. And so that's what Briley's here to say, "Look at what Jesus has done in my life." So, Briley, do you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin on that cross? Do you believe and trust Him for the forgiveness that He brought? All right, you can grab my hand right here. You're okay. Okay. Yeah, you can plug your nose and grab my hand. Okay. So, Briley, it's upon your profession of faith that I baptize you, my sister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up, let's sing and celebrate. Oh, church, I love that hymn. Could we with ink the oceans fill? It is the extraordinary the extraordinary principle of God's love is truly overwhelming. Amen? Amen. Hey, my if you're new here, my name is Shane Rosty. I'm pastor here. And uh, just a couple of housekeeping things for us. If you're new here, would you make sure to stop by and put a, put a little bit of your contact information on our visitor's clipboard? Uh, I would love to call you. I'd love to visit with you. I'd love to pray for you. Um, I'd like to know what's going on in your life, so how we could be as a church supporting you and walking this life together with you. Hey, I do also want to encourage for those of you who are members and even those of you who are interested in what the family meeting at First Baptist, you want to see behind the scenes, always sit at the family meeting, right? And I want to encourage you after church today, we're just going to sit down, we're going to have a little Q&A. Uh, We want to be perfectly open and upfront with what we're doing in our budget so you guys can see, anybody can see what's going on with with the giving, with the money that that is dedicated to the works of the Lord through this church. And so come, we want to answer questions and have discussion and pray over that budget for the next year. And then I also want to just remind you, uh, and a few months ago I announced that. That our elders have been meeting together, and we've been praying, and I hope you've been praying with us, that God would give us a fresh, new, and, and clear call and vision for this next year, for 2024, for First Baptist. What is the next year? What is the next five? What is the next ten years going to look like for us as a faith family? And so we've been praying over that. We've been discussing that. And again, January is going to be the time that we want to launch that. But in, in the meantime, we want you to be a part of those conversations. And so the reason we have the elders come up and do announcements is not just to make them feel awkward because none of them are really excited about speaking and public speaking, but it's so that you guys would be able to see their face. You know who they are. Everybody wave at Myron and just embarrass him for a second. And Myron is one of our elders, but would you sit down and would you just share and maybe even ask how that conversation's going about our mission and our vision and what we see our ministries turn into this next year because God is on the move, amen? A good sign is a lot of baptisms that the Holy Spirit is here at work, preaching the gospel and setting people free from their sin. And we want to meet Him and we want to jump alongside the Holy Spirit in what His ministry is doing. So those uh, a few housekeeping things for us, brothers and sisters. Uh, I asked the question: Have you ever jumped into something that you didn't quite know what you were getting into? For me. That was junior high ministry. When I was first getting into ministry, I became a junior high youth pastor. And as I did, I had no idea what I was getting into, and I found out my first two weeks as a youth pastor, I had my first emergency trip to the hospital with a student. But let me tell you, it's very insightful to me, and it's still a learning lesson for me, and I want to show you what I learned So as a junior high pastor, I'm thinking, I want to teach these kids about faith. And so I get these blindfolds and junior high boys and girls, and and I tell them, you each need to find a partner that you trust. Trust is very important. Amen. And so they each found a partner and they said, okay, one of you put a blindfold on and the other one is going to give you directions. And we're going to have a, a, a blindfolded race around the church. It was kind of a big square at the time. And surely I thought that as we lined up partner to partner, and as, as I said, on your mark, get set, go, the common sense would rule the day. But as we know, junior hires, common sense doesn't always rule the day. And to my shock and astonishment, none of the people blindfolded stopped to listen to the voice of the people instructing them for how to get through the church safely. So when I said, on your mark, get set, ready, go... I had a herd of junior high kids barreling down the hallway, completely blindfolded. I, I don't know about you, but that's not a good idea. Usually, you want to wait for instructions, and so I'll never forget, it was the secretary's daughter. She was the cutest little gal. She runs straight into the metal frame of a door, just smacks that thing, chips a tooth, cracks her skull, and ends up in the hospital. And so from then on, brothers and sisters, I was very clear about my directions. Very clear about my directions. You need to listen to the voice of the one calling the shots. Don't run out into the dark if you're blind. But let's be honest. If we were to apply that to our spiritual walk, brothers and sisters, how many of us dart forward into the unknown, completely blind and not listening to the voice of the one who's in charge? I got to see hands going up, right? There's honest, honesty. Well, brothers and sisters, we're going to talk about that today, this idea that we are all being called into steps of faith, but we need to be listening to the voice of the one who is coaching us and guiding us. So if you got your Bibles, Mark 10, Mark 10. We're going to read Mark 10, starting in verse 46. This is the last in our middle series in the book of Mark. I I love to hear those beautiful pages turning in your Bibles to Mark 10 and I see a couple of the warm glows of those devices the warm glow of God's word Mark 10 46 says and they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd Bartimaeus a blind beggar The son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a few things that I want you to see in this passage as we look here today. And that was this. As this, it's kind of set up the scene. You can imagine, you can see Jesus again, he's walking on his way to Jerusalem. And so his sense of urgency is starting to get intense with the disciples. And this is going to be the last conversation before they enter Jerusalem and Passion Week begins and Jesus starts to march. He goes to war and he, he starts to spiritually battle in such a way that he's going to march to the cross and pay for all of humanity's sins or those who are going to trust him on that cross. And so he is of limited time and incredible urgency. And here we have this tale of this blind beggar. This blind beggar who meets him, who meets him at Jericho. And as he's sitting there, you get this picture of this blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Everybody say that with me, Bartimaeus. And he was sitting by the roadside, and something happened when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. See, there's this kind of this principle when it comes to the idea of the blind man is that he had lost one of his senses. Uh, a few years ago, anybody ever had eye surgery? Nobody. Um, eye surgery is terrifying. Anybody ever gotten shot with a nerf, nerf dart in your eye? Okay, maybe that's just me. Maybe it's because I was the junior high pastor thing. But but when my eyesight is threatened, I panic. Can any of you can, can you imagine losing your eyesight? That's kind of terrifying. Can you imagine living um, not with your sight? I'm very sensitive. I remember I had uh, eye surgery. It was laser surgery. And what they do essentially is they, with the laser, cut a flap of your eye. Some of you, I can already see wincing. And they peel it back. They do some work, and they put it back, and it heals. Well, I remember the first time I did this, and I had to have two because one didn't take. But I'm sitting in the back room after this surgery, and all of a sudden my vision starts to fill with a, a tint of red. And I'm sitting in the back and all I'm seeing in my right eye is just red. And I was sweating bullets. That whole the whole time I'm thinking, you know, it's like worst case scenario. How am I going to live without vision in my right eye? I'm you like I you just start thinking, "Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What am I going to do?" But see here, he still had other senses, didn't he? He had his ears to listen, his ears to hear. And sometimes I don't know if you've ever noticed this idea that when we lose some of our senses, others gain prominence, and we're able to uh, to hear better. If you've ever, uh, if you're trying to listen to something when you do ear training and music, how many of you sometimes close your eyes to try to hear something better? Because it's like sometimes when you when you uh, close one sense, it helps you to concentrate or focus. And I just think it's interesting this point out. That at the end of the day, what this passage wants us to hear and to see is that essentially, spiritually, we are like the blind beggar. Spiritually, we're blind and we're begging for righteousness or rightness with God. Anybody remember being like that before your relationship with Jesus? You were not in good standing with God. You didn't care about who God was. Essentially, what the Bible illustrates for us is this physical illustration that that we were blind beggars before a holy God. And I love that this man hears, hears that it was Jesus of Nazareth. And I think a lot of us, as we start to press into this idea that we're spiritual beggars, the phrase pops up into my mind. Anybody ever heard this? Beggars can't be choosers. It reminds me a few years ago of I was doing homeless ministry in Ohio. And I'll never forget, we opened the back of our, uh, of our car and we had all these fresh f- fruits and vegetables and a homeless guy comes up and he goes, hey, man, you got anything to eat? And I said, hey, yeah, it just so happens we've got a whole bunch of fresh oranges and apples for you. And he goes, oh, man. He says, do you got any Doritos? <laughs> I'm serious. This really happened. And I was like, man, that's, you know, beggars, I wanted to look at him like beggars shouldn't be choosers, Right. But a lot of us kind of have that attitude with God, and here God speaks to us through his word, right? We can hear God himself through the Bible, through scriptures. We get access to the very word of God, and it says that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, and so we get this opportunity to hear from the Lord our God, to hear about who he is. How many of you struggle to open up your Bible and listen to the voice of God? I think many of us, we think, you know, beggars, we can be choosers. And much like that homeless man, we want Doritos instead of fresh fruit. See, we are spiritually blind beggars with no ability to do anything of eternal worth. If you think of John fifteen five, it says, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And I want to think about and just spend this moment. He heard the voice of God, but let's talk about how, how the blindness, the spiritual blindness affects all of us. How many of you can see the eternal battle waging over all of us right now? I'm waiting for a hand because I would love some insight into that, right? This kind of this idea that, that and Daniel got to look at it in the book, at the end of the book of Daniel, he gets to see that there's this huge war, this spiritual battle being waged on the plains of earth. And, and I think you can see that today. Anytime you see a war spring up in history, like, for example, Hamas versus Israel, do you think there's spiritual battle happening over that whole war right now? Yeah, because see, there's an unseen battle, there's an unseen war being fought, and we're completely blind to it. The picture for us is that we're a blind man standing at the gate during a war. We don't know what's coming. We can't fight even for ourselves. Anybody tried to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and fight the invisible battle that faces you every day? Not very easy, is it? It's not a battle to be won with the will, but it's a battle to be won by submitting to the one who can see And that's where the gospel comes in. He hears about Jesus, this picture of one who can see where he couldn't. And I want you to get to this picture that we were all so wounded by our sin that we couldn't see and hear the spiritual battle before us. The ability to hear is quite amazing. Would you agree? So ultimately, we're blind beggars and this ability to hear. And for us, I think of the blind beggar sitting there in the quiet, and hearing the name of Jesus and hope welling up within him. And hope welling up within him. And, and I, I just think of the gospel in our lives. Can you guys remember when you first heard the sweetness of the gospel? How did you respond? The gospel being the good news about what Jesus did for you on the cross. Can you remember where you were? Some of you can't. Some of you can. Some of you are older. Some of you maybe were younger. Some of you hearing hearing that gospel, hearing that hope for the first time welling up in you. Can you think of a moment where you were in absolute depression and helplessness, but you were given hope? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? That hope. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, a, I'm an interactive pastor. I love yeses and I love amens. And so the sense of the gospel raises up, he, he he hears that hope of the gospel, the gospel of salvation, the gospel for living, to hear what can help us see. It makes me think of Romans ten, twelve through fifteen. It says, For there is now there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. So this is Romans ten, twelve through fifteen. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when they, when they uh, listen to this, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Take a minute, look at your feet. Are those beautiful? you see what I'm asking? Are those the beautiful feet? Because if you're like me and you've got heinously, ugly, terrifyingly looking feet, if you're the bearer of the good news, the Bible calls your feet beautiful because you carry the proclamation that Jesus is here. You carry with you So this idea of carrying the gospel with us, how beautiful are the feet, because we get to be the people who proclaim that Jesus is here, and they can hear it from us, and also that raising of hope in our time. Do we need hope today? (laughs) Yeah, we do. To hear the gospel is life transformative without hearing. So the connotation of that verse in Romans is this, without hearing, we cannot be saved. There's this interesting and unique relationship with, with Jesus, with the gospel. It's this. If we don't hear the gospel, we cannot be saved. How will they, how will they believe if, if no one is sent? If there's no preacher, how will they hear? So there's this idea and this charge. I love, Brandy, that you came up and you were, you were like, hey, we don't want anybody to be alone on Thanksgiving. What a beautiful opportunity to invite people to your dinner table and be the feet that carry the good news. The beautiful feet that carry the good news. What if people heard the gospel around our dinner tables. This next year, my, my prayer for us as a church is that people hear the gospel from you more than they hear it from me on a Sunday. I'm going to say that again because that is good. That's really important. What if the believers carried the gospel in such a way that the pastor was irrelevant? Woo! I, th- I think I, w- I can baptize all day, guys. You just keep going. You just keep bearing that good news. You keep lifting up the voice that Jesus is here. And this man who is blind hears that Jesus is in the vicinity and this hope begins to rise in him. This hope begins to rise in him and he does something. He turns to crying out. We need to be people who hear the gospel and then this idea that we then respond by crying out and saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. If we are the spiritually blind, a couple things that we need to understand. Uh, So blind beggars here. And when he heard it, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he began to cry out. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I just want to spend a minute and give you all, uh, a, a a lot of times as a pastor, it's part of when people are in mourning or there's hardship in their life, um, when I sit down with them in those moments, it, it strikes me how often I have to remind people that they have permission to cry. Anybody, have you ever had somebody give you permission to cry and you just lost it? It's like you were waiting for that moment. Here's your permission. You and I were blind beggars. And we hear the gospel, and here's the permission. He cried out to Jesus. You think he, like, casually, flippantly went like, Oh, Jesus is here. No. No, I I doubt that was his reaction, but I bet there were tears down his eyes. There is a potential. There is a power present here in the name of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, that I am going to shout out in such a way that it's going to get everybody around me annoyed, and they're going to tell me to stop. You guys can tell me to stop if you want, but I'm not going to Because there's this idea, right, when we hear the hope of Jesus, we get obsessed. I've said this before. The reason early Christians were called Christians, by the way, Christian means little Christ, is because they were people so obsessed and so irritating because they were so obsessed with the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's all they could talk about. That's all they could shout about. That's all they could meet about. That's all they could sing about. But see, we have permission to cry out to Jesus. He cried out to Jesus from a place of weakness. Oftentimes, I feel like we're told a weird narrative that we carry the gospel as people who are good people and we're strong and we got our life together, and then people will want to be like us, and then we can say, yeah, it's because of Jesus. That's not the mentality of a blind beggar, is it? I want, I want to send out this premise that that is in our weakness that God has shown to be strong. God has shown to be strong. And so we're not to be, look at me, look how good I am, look how I've got my life polished together. We're people who come together and say, Jesus! With a crack in our voice and everything. Because it's okay to cry from weakness. And this blind man, as he was crying from weakness, many of you for many years have been trying to put on a brave face. You've tried to be strong. You've tried not to look weak in the church. Stop! Because the gospel goes out from weakness. The gospel goes out from weak people. A safe place is one in which you can cry out in desperation. The church is supposed to be a safe place, yes? There were people here together because we're desperate for Jesus and more of Him. When we see His presence, we cry out. We cry with tears in our eyes and thankfulness in our hearts. It's in our weakness. In fact, God told this to Paul, didn't he? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. Therefore, I will boast. So Paul says, guess what, guys? I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Stop hiding your weakness. Stop trying to be stronger than you are and start being weak and dependent on Jesus and see what he does to a room full of blind beggars. He just may give us sight when we're able to confess that, man, that is us. We cry, Our cry is not one of despair, but of aid. I want you to see this. How many of you found yourself in cries of despair, where your suffering seems like it's it's useless and there's no purpose to it? But with a believer, we have a hope. And like this blind beggar, if our station is blind beggar, we don't cry out of despair, but we cry out of aid because we have a king who's coming. We have a king who's here. We have a king who's responded to our cry of desperation. And so crying is something that we all do. Guys, that means us too. Know when to ask for help is important for the believer. Knowing when to ask for help is important to the believer. It's okay to cry out for help. It amazes me as I've been pastor here for a little while, and I'm just going to kind of poke at a few buttons, how many times I see people try to put on that brave face, try to say, I'll do it myself, afraid to ask for help. Brothers and sisters, can I just ask us to stop doing that? Because in a way, you're you're holding off this opportunity for the family of Christ to wrap around you and to help you and to walk with you. And in so doing, you're walling out the aid that God is giving you. So, there's really two types of of, um, crying out here. And we know some of you need the encouragement to cry out for more help. And you need to be open with that. Some of you need to stop crying over spilled milk. You know who you are. You know what I'm saying? I stubbed my toe. Or I, I did this to myself and, and now I need to um, I need to take responsibility. So for some of you, you need the encouragement to ask for help more often. And some of you, you need to take responsibility and help others who are crying for help, okay? Uh, I, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, so I always just think about it like this. Gondor calls for aid. My Lord of the Rings fans knows what I'm talking about, okay? Everybody else, just roll your eyes. Our cry is continual to, and this blind man, he reaches out and he says, our cry, he says, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Calling to Jesus, the source of our sight. You and I, we're walking blind through this spiritual warfare in this life. You guys, not, we don't know what to expect. What's going to come in the news tomorrow? We don't know, but you know what? We cry out to the one who does who has that kind of foreknowledge, so we can rely on his sight when we have none. That's what it tells us, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. This is our memory verse. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, here's a timely uh, caveat to that, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And you know what? The promise there is that the peace of God will fill your heart, right? That peace of God will fill your heart. And so there's this idea, right? Calling out. Be anxious for nothing. Some of you are already anxious about family coming for Thanksgiving or going to family. Anybody there? Some of you are already anxious about those conversations. Now is the time to be thankful and to pray and lift those up, to call for aid. To call for aid in those family gatherings that you might be able to share the gospel or be the presence of Christ there it's this weird principle that we need to be the resilient needy. He refused to stop calling out to Jesus even though there was pushback. Even though there was pushback. People were telling him, dude, you need to be quiet. What did he continue to do? Jesus! Jesus, son of David, he continued to cry out. So there's this sense that we need to be resilient in our neediness of Christ. Because this world wants you to feel like you're sufficient. I'm going to say that again, though. As a believer, we want to be resilient in our neediness of Christ, our neediness of Christ. He refused to stop despite the discouragement of people saying, man, you need to stop calling out Jesus's name. I always think about um, I was at a conference one time and uh, there was this father talking about his son and his son was born really short, close to being the the size of, of a dwarf. And and uh, I'll never forget we were asking him questions about parenting as believers and he said the hardest thing for him as a dad was to send his kid to school every day because his son would come back crying every day. His son would come back crying every day because kids are mean, right? Human beings are mean, let's be honest. And so his son would come back and he he said it was at that point where he could say uh, I'm going to I'm going to keep my kid from experiencing these hard things. But he said, but I want my son to have a resilience and neediness for Christ. Both a resilience and a neediness. And he said, so every day after school, he would sit down with his son. He'd say, what happened? And he would weep with his son. He would cry tears over the bullies and the comments. And then they'd pray together. At the feet of Jesus, they would cry for help. And the next morning, he would send his son back to school. He said, they did this from 6th grade to 12th grade. And uh, I'll never forget, he, he, you know, he said his son developed such a resilience that he's now a pastor of a church over several thousand people. Because he, reser- he learned what it means to be resiliently needy for Jesus, to face problems daily, to face pushback daily, and then run to the feet of Jesus asking for help. And we can do that in every aspect of our life, can't we? From a place... Of weakness, we cry, resiliently needy. We are resiliently needy. So these first two elements, hearing and crying, those are really on us to hear the gospel and to cry out to Jesus, to cry out to Jesus. But these next two that I want you to see, we're going to be talking about calling and seeing. These are how Jesus responds to the cries of his people. Mark 10, 49, and Jesus stopped and said, call him call him and they called the blind man saying to him take your take heart get up he is calling you and throwing off his cloak he sprang up and came to Jesus he came to Jesus see there's this amazing thing i hear the word in christianity calling all the time you ever heard this i'm called to do, usually it's what you're you are using it in the negative i'm called not to take out the trash death right that's not my calling But see, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He calls all of us, doesn't he? If you're here, you're called by Jesus out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. Did you know that's the calling that you have in your life? Jesus is here calling to you today out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's the calling that you have over your life. That's how Jesus responds to the cry of his people. He calls them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the beloved son. And that is beautiful. He always calls us out of bondage to sin and into freedom of worship of him. This is the calling of God for all of us. So if you're here, this is the calling that he has put in your life. And by the way, he doesn't call you to others. He doesn't call you to read another self-help book, not to another living for dummies book. He doesn't point you to these self-help books. Who does he point you to? He calls you to himself. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, I want you to get better. I want you to get stronger first. I don't want you to clean your life up first. He says, just come to me. Just come to me. That is Jesus' calling. Just come to me. You will not be the same if you come to me, but just come to me. Some of you need to hear that today. I'm going to keep saying it. Just come to him. Just come to Jesus. Maybe some of you have been putting him at our arm's length. He's calling you to be a son and a daughter. So get up. Don't idle in despair. Some of you love to dwell in that space of self-loathing. You ever been there? Some of you like to camp out there and feel sorry for yourself, but that's not Jesus' is calling for you. Jesus' is calling for you is to get up and come to him. Don't idle in despair. That's where many of us love to, to plant ourselves in this victim mentality. Oh, this has happened to me. That's why I am the way that I am. And I'm, I'm maintaining that I was raised like this, or I don't have this. This man was a blind beggar. And God's calling was come to him. Was come to him. So don't idle in the victim mentality or in despair, but idle in and jump up to the call, the voice of Jesus who says, Come to me. And he says, Have courage, right? I love that the disciples are the ones having to tell this to this guy. So Jesus stopped and he said, Call him. So he tells his disciples, Go and call him, right? Why is it why didn't Jesus just turn to the guy and say, Hey, call him? I want you to remember, we're in the urgency walking towards the cross. Are the disciples going to need to cry to Jesus here soon? Are they going to be confronted with how spiritually blind they are in a week? Peter was. When he denied Jesus three times, he's going to see how spiritually blind he was. And so he's turning to the disciples and he says, now call him. And they say, take courage. Get up. He's calling you. They were all going to need to hear those words in one week. I just love that, that Jesus was prepping them, training them. The disciples preach these words and that they would need desperately in, the, in under a week's time. Some of you need to practice what you preach to others. I'm going to say that again. Some of you have said some really good comforting things to others that you don't apply to yourself. You need the encouragement of Christ that the way you preach the other, to others also applies to you. God really does love you. The love of God is extraordinary. Some of you just need to internalize and hear that truth. So Jesus calls the blind man. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He's about like a junior high kid who's blindfolded at this point. I just think that's crazy that he just leaps up. But you know what? He knew that there was going to be nothing between him and the voice of Jesus because he had heard the voice of Jesus. And when you're blind, spiritually blind, you can with confidence, when you hear the voice of Jesus, stand up and run in his direction. You may not know what's in front of you, but you can with confidence, though spiritually blind, run towards Jesus in whatever scenario you find yourself. Just like this man, he throws his cloak off, he sprang up, and he came to Jesus. And What does he say? So the calling, out of darkness into light, out of sin into him, and get up, don't idle in despair and have courage. Trust Jesus. And, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. I just think it's interesting. He asked, Jesus asked, What do you want? What do you want? This idea that, that Jesus responds with, What do you want? I think a lot of people come to Jesus and they don't want to hear, Come to me. They want to hear, I'm gonna give you what you want. Right, And so, Jesus is asking, what do you want? What do you want? He says, I want to see. I want to see. And I think how many of us when who are spiritually blind, we like to choose the comfort of what we know instead of the challenge of running to Jesus and seeing and fighting a spiritual battle that we have no idea what we're doing in. How many of you love the comfort of knowing what's going to happen day to day? Hey, if you love that comfort, don't be a follower of Jesus. <laughs> Because every day, if you're listening to the voice of Jesus, he's going to call you to courage. He's going to call you to proclaim the gospel. He's going to call you to do things that are uncomfortable for you. And so if you don't like being uncomfortable, then continue to be a blind beggar. See, this blind beggar could have decided to stay at that wall and continue to do what he was doing and settle for what he was getting. But instead, he said, I want to see." Many of us, like that blind beggar, we've we've gotten really good at begging spiritually. We've gotten really good at it, and so it's hard for us to think about departing from this life and letting Jesus take charge. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I think it's just interesting that Jesus turns around and says, go your way. Go your way. So he says, I want sight. The guy gets sight. And when he's able to see, something interesting happens. And immediately he recovered his sight and did what? He followed. See, here's the thing. When you gain spiritual sight, there really is only one way to go. When you call out to Jesus, he's on the way. There's only one way to go, and that's to follow Jesus. That's to follow Jesus. So seeing, do you want to see? Do you want to see? And seeing always, always results in following Jesus, in following him. Don't remain in your ignorance and the blindness, but instead of going your own way. Jesus offered him the opportunity, didn't he? When he had his sight, he said, now you've got what you need, you can go. But what did the guy do? There's only one option when you can finally see, and that's follow Jesus. So for us today, would you admit you're spiritually blind? Some of you, that's going to be a hard thing to do. Would you cry out to the Lord in desperation? Would you cry out and would you go to him? It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty simple. Small groups, would you ask this in your discussions this week? Where in my life do I try to stay blind and begging instead of going and seeing? Where do I try to stay blind and begging instead of going and seeing? I'm going to have uh, Carrie come up. We're going to have a time of communion. So elders, I'll have you. Come up. But there's this beautiful thing about communion. We were once separated from God and spiritually blind beggars. When we came to Jesus and received the gift of his body and his blood, we gained sight and salvation. That's what we gained. That's the gift that he gave us. And so when we do communion together, brothers and sisters, this is us just remembering and praising God, saying, Thank you for giving me sight where I had none. Thanks for healing my blindness like you did the blind man. So Carrie's going to pray, or Carrie's going to play for us, and the elders are going to go and pass out the elements. As you do, would would you just do business with God here? If you're here and you're not a Christian, the encouragement is let these elements pass by you. You don't have to take this if you haven't professed faith in Jesus just yet, but if you haven't, I would encourage you would you let today be the day of your salvation? The Bible says all you have to do to be saved is really kind of cry out to the Lord, just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and says you will be saved. You will be saved. Today could be the day of your salvation. And if you're here and you're a believer, would you just spend a minute praising God, putting yourself in the position of this blind man and remembering that God gave you sight at faith? Brothers and sisters, Jesus' called to his disciples on that week that he was about to head to the cross. In that upper room, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's do this in remembrance of the broken body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for giving us sight. We know the Scriptures tell us that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. We were sinners, and that sin was due the wrath of God. But instead, Jesus took the wrath of God on our behalf, and he now gives us his righteousness. And so let's thank him for the blood that was spilt on our behalf. Again, giving us sight. Would you take of the cup? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And oh, God, we are so thankful that you did. And we just want to say, yes, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you say that with me? Thank you. Thank you that we were blind beggars that you gave sight. Now, Lord, we want to see full well and run towards you and follow you in every aspect of our life. God, would you bless every person here with spiritual sight and eyes to see. We pray that now in your name. Amen.